0: This is Karen Hunter and welcome to The Hub. Let me welcome to the show, I don't know if Tanya knows this man, but I was happy to, to have him in because I said, hey, she might know him because he's won Tony's. She's won Tony's. She's got Tony's. Chris has Emmy's. He's got more than me and in less time. Does he? Okay, well, then Tanya does know this Tony Award-winning producer. He's the, the to- most Tony Award-winning producer in history, black one. I don't even know if we should qualify it. Uh, he's got a new um, Broadway play called Thoughts of a Colored Man. We're going to talk with him all about it. Let me welcome to the show Ron Simons. Hi
1: hello karen hello tanya so good to see you look
2: at
0: him, he got his tony's back there look at him he got him in the back he got him, oh one two three four he's got uh look at i i love the flex today the flex today <laughs> is, it uh, four, is it only four
1: it's only f- i had five nominations but only four wins
0: oh, oh look at I this feel so bad uh, <laughs> run run down so for for the people that know uh that don't know t- tell us tell us all of the things Tell us the jitneys. Tell us, tell us all of the wins.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, I'm not in any particular order.
0: No, that's the least
2: interesting thing about
1: him. Let me tell you about
2: him. Okay. Come on, Tanya. First of all, he has Tonys in every category. That's true. Musical yeah. and play, right? Mm-hmm. What am I missing? Comedy. And,
1: and, rev- and musical and then play. Best play, best revival of a play.
2: So he got all the categories, but what's more interesting about Ron is Ron does everything. So Ron started out in AI, right? Microsoft,
1: artificial intelligence,
2: and now he's an actor, producer. Come on, tell us that because that's the, the interesting part.
1: Okay, well, okay, I'm trying to do the Reader's Digest version of what Tanya uh, just mentioned. I'm from a small uh, industrial family in Detroit. We were all working, uh, not me, in the uh, in a the automotive industry i went to high school and then college thinking i was going to be a doctor and when i got there i'm like how many years do you say i got it? oh no that's not going to work so then i decided to do the other thing that i love most which were two things actually theater and computer science i graduated with a degree in computer science i went out west to the silicon valley i started writing software for hewlett-packard i eventually started writing artificial intelligence based systems for f-500 companies and then i decided I come back to school to New York and I got my MBA in marketing and international business. Then I went back to the West coast, this time with Seattle to work for Microsoft as a marketing professional. And then I decided, you know what? I do want to be an actor. So I went to graduate school. And Wait, can I you got- pause
0: for a second, pause for a second, because
1: <laughs> what, I'm also,
0: <laughs> what I'm also hearing Ron Simons is here. Uh, the, the the one and only, I need to say that. Um, and you can go to Simon says entertainment.com to get, you know, that. Um, did you make a lot of money in Silicon Valley?
1: Well, yeah, kind of.
0: Okay. All right. And I, want, I want to, I want to sit there for a second because a lot of people have dreams, you know, they want to do things and I, I'm going to tell you financial security allows you to spread your wings in a way that, you know, financial insecurity, financial insecurity will make you tough if you could fight through it and get through it and, and juggle 50,000, 11 jobs and try to make it. But having the the cushion to know that no matter what, I can pursue this and not miss a bill or beat you know in my personal life and the things that I want and to have. Talk talk a little bit about that because I, I my my job here is you know I want to make sure people plan for the life that they want to live and a lot of times we don't plan we we jump in and it doesn't work out and then we are busted and disgusted. And I don't need anybody being busted and disgusted. So tell us tell us about the freedom you had. To be okay, so
1: the reason why I actually went into computer science was because I'm an only child and my grandparents have um, both retired. My mother was about to retire. And I had the choice of going to drama school or, you know, going and working in, in Silicon Valley. And um, an incident that I will tell you about under over cocktails at another time happened that told me eventually I was going to be an actor, but not then because all the circumstances that made me decide to go take that job at Hewlett Packard had not changed. My family had no savings. We had no, we didn't even know of what a market, we had no idea about financial instruments at all. So I thought it was up to me to be the breadwinner. And so I did that, even though I knew I really wanted to be an actor. And then at some point, as I was saying, during my career, um, I, I, I had the opportunity to go deep into corporate America and to leadership and executive roles, or, And after a few weeks, I got a chance in my mind to say, you know, you need to go and do the acting thing that you've been talking about all these years. And now you're at a place because of Microsoft to be able to do that without, as you say, Karen, can I have my lights on? Is there going to be food on the table? Where where I'm going to be living? All that stuff. So on the one hand, I could have been an actor 19 years earlier. But then on the other hand, had I done that, I would not have had any cushion to take care of my folk and take care of me. So I did it. I just did it in a at a lo- much later age than people normally do.
0: But look what you've done in a short... So, you know, look what you've done in a short period of time. Tanya, Tanya uh, so you, you gave us a little hint of what he has done. Um, talk about, as a Broadway diva, the importance of having a producer like... Ron Simons in the world, in your world?
2: Well, I'm going to tell you a story Ron told me um, when we met, but I didn't know at the time that he was one of the producers on Radio Golf. Radio Golf was, is the last play that August Wilson ever was gonna did write. And um, Ron was one of the, he was one of the lead producers, but as an investor on it, this play did not do well. It closed (laughs) quickly did not make people's money back. But Ron said to them, why aren't you advertising this as the last August Wilson play ever? So it's important to have minds that think that way and are willing to do things in a different way. So right now, Ron has Death of a Colored Man on Broadway, but he's also on the, he is the lead producer, I believe, on bringing um, for colored girls to Broadway finally. So uh, it's it's his success having four Tony Awards, I'm sure, means that the leading producers who have been doing it historically, now he has the cred to get them to come and hitch their wagon to him when he wants to bring something that wouldn't be in the traditional vein of what they think Broadway is. So maybe he's changing it to the Great Beige way for a bit.
1: Mm. Hopefully forever. Oh, Brown. Why
0: not Brown? (laughs) Brown
1: works for me, too. Absolutely, and that, by the way, it's not death of a colored man. Please, it's it thoughts. Is the thoughts of a Thought, colored man. Sorry, sure, not sure. it's not good. Don't kill him yet. Okay, there we go.
0: got it. So, so talk about it. Talk about thoughts of a colored man, and then we'll juxtapose it to you know for colored girls. Sure. Um, into in, in zaki uh, Shange's uh, 1976 groundbreaking classic. What What was the impetus for you producing this thoughts of a colored man?
1: Well, you know, I uh, had, at the time that I saw the play, I went and saw a production of it at the Public Theater and I thought, this is a great piece. And how has this not been brought back to Broadway? I mean, there's so many plays on Broadway that they're in their third, fourth, fifth, sixth revival that they do seem like some every two years, but here's a play that sat silent for 46 years and no one brought it to Broadway. You know, my color girls, right? The Color Girls, yes.
0: Oh, okay. Because I was, I was talking about because okay. we had, we had Luke James on a few, a few weeks ago. Ooh. Luke James, and he, oh my God, I, did I fall? I felt absolutely in love with this man, like completely in love with, with his energy, his spirit. You know, he's on the shy too, Tanya, Chicago. Uh, but what he, you know, and, and he sang, he sang for us. He did. So, oh, good. Yes, good. he sang from, and I was like, man, when I feel comfortable being back out in them streets, I got, I. I and I think it, when does this, it closes? Uh, when Hopefully is
1: it clo- n- in, not anytime soon. Okay, good, think, good.
0: Okay. All right.
1: So but that's
0: the, it. So we'll talk about Color Girl, but I want to know the impetus for this because we're, we're talking about a cast of black men. Uh, it's nine, nine black men, all different, all with a different story to tell. And, and these are faces we've seen before, uh, a lot mm-hmm. of them. And it, it we don't see enough of emotional range with black men and this from what luke james was telling me his character alone has an emotional range please tell us
1: so so this project came to me about three four five years ago and at the time i was crazy busy doing other stuff and so i i didn't couldn't bring the project on um but one of the other lead producers hounded me hounded me hounded me and then finally i said you know what this project is a in the center of my wheelhouse, because there are three things that I look at beyond Good Story that the piece has high artistic integrity, it has commercial viability, um, and it is about underrepresented communities. So that's the trifecta right there. And then the hard part was continuing to bring that show all the way from being workshopped to having a production in Syracuse and then on to Baltimore Center Stage and then on our way here to New York. And to your point, What really got me excited about this show is because I saw all of my black family and friends on that stage. I saw my granddaddy, I saw my cousin, I saw my uncle, I saw my best friend who lived down the street from me. It was just so familiar. And so for me, I feel like it was a coming home. Do you know what I mean? And even though we don't talk about all aspects, because we couldn't of African-American men, we showed at least seven faces of what the thoughts and dreams are of African-American men. And you're right. We don't have a chance to see those stories told. We don't have a chance to see ourselves reflected back to us from the Broadway stage. So to have a play that did so with such authentic voice as Kenan Scott II wrote was a godsend. And if you ask any of those men who were in that show during the rehearsal process, they said that this is the safest that they had ever been Mm -hmm. in their acting career. Because the director Stephen Rodnack, who is freaking brilliant, set up a space where these black men could be vulnerable, and therefore explore places that they otherwise might not have been able to to find.
0: When you go to thoughtsofacoloredman.com dot com mm-hmm. and scroll and see all of the blackness, <laughs> it's like you know it's Broadway, y'all Broadway. Which is getting, as, as Tanya pointed out, you know, blacker and blacker. When I was coming up, it was, you know, you might have had, you know, Dream Girls here, uh, you know, uh, Jelly's Last Dance here, a couple of August Wilsons, like you said. But they'd be sprinkled in, maybe one or two a season. Now there's like a plethora of wonderful, diverse content uh, that people can enjoy. And, it's, and most of them are doing well. Most of them yeah, are doing well.
1: It's really crazy because it never, this is so historic this season for so many different reasons, but yeah, there's never been um, all the eight plays, all the new plays that are coming back to Broadway or coming to Broadway are all written by black playwrights. And the revival of what I'm doing, of course, in Zake. Is written by a black women playwright, and there has never been. And I think we said this because I've had a lot of conversations today. that This is the first play that has is written by a black man, directed by a black man, produced by a black man, and starring all black men. That never happens. It has never happened in my life. And now I will tell you another thing. This is season later on, and I'm. I know I go back to this. For colored girls comes on stage hopefully thoughts of the color will still be running but in the same season we have a play all about black men and all about black women in the same season so those days of oh we already had one black show on Broadway, we don't need another look no we just took that shit and oh sorry i hope no, i don't
0: come on come on with the ish come on with it ron simons bring it all of it
1: we, As my friend and my mentee and my co-producer, Valencia Yearwood said, the door got cracked, I'm kicking it in and I'm bringing my squad, right? So this is a new day for New Broadway. My only concern is, my only hope is that this diversity that we're seeing this year will continue on in future years beyond just this. Cause I don't want this to be a flash in the pan. Cause I've been there when I've been the only black person, only person of color in a room for years and years and years years beginning with radio golf as tanya said so my, my 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 goal and my intent is to find new plays about stories of black folk and people of color and bring them onto onto the the, the great white way which hopefully as you say would be the great broad, uh beige way someday
2: now so when is dick gregory coming to broadway when are you bringing that to broadway
1: oh that's so funny you just say that because i'm having a conference call was today with my uh a couple of folks associated with that show. And if you don't know it, Karen, it is this play. It's a one-man show. Uh, and it play starred uh, Joe Morton, and it was about the life of Dick Gregory. Fantastic. This piece, this piece had everything a great play should be. It was hilarious. It was dramatic. It was inspiring. She saw it. You don't need me to say, what did you think?
2: It was spectacular. First of all, Joe Morton, you know, I would walk over the water to kiss Joe Morton. Um,
0: (laughs) She said, she said, Ron, that that was the best kiss she ever had. Ever in in my life. I told him I would
2: pay for it. Um, It was (laughs) (laughs) really is brilliant. And to see Joe Morton embodying Dick Gregory, I would think this would be a no brainer to get to Broadway in this moment in time, a one person play.
1: Absolutely, it's the right time. I tried to bring that play to Broadway even before one of the other plays that I just spoke about. But there was some conflict between the rights owner and the playwright, and I tried, it would have been on stage. In addition to the other two, it would have been on stage right now, Uh. having been able to come to terms. So I'm having a call, I had a call with, with the writer, couple days ago tonight i'm going to talk to a few more people and i'm going to see if that can be the next thing that i bring to broadway because as tanya said you know people don't know about finance it's hard it's hard to, you know, it's hard to do a broadway show anyway because it's so expensive to put them on here's a show that literally is two people two people we had no set we had a chair and something to hang your coat on you can't find a cheaper show to do come than that come on come so, on Still, that still comes with a minimum of four million, right? Uh, three, yep, Broadway three film. two, three point so, two three million.
0: Yep. I, I'm writing down these numbers. Uh, we're talking about Ron Simons, lead producer of Thoughts of a Colored Man on Broadway and a host of other things. We got For Color Girls coming as well, and I'm going to claim uh, Dick Gregory. Uh, talk with Shelly Williams uh, this year as well. This has been like a great year to talk to people, and she's bringing back Aida and the Wiz. The Wiz. Mm-hmm, we
1: talked.
0: Right. I was. I know. I'm like Broadway is about so four million dollars is the minimum. So yeah. So talk talk to us about the anatomy of how does one produce? How do how does one become a producer? What what is that journey? Uh, because you wanted to be an actor and now you're producing. What? How did you? He's do an that? actor too. He's an actor too.
1: Yeah, I, I do still act as well. Um, but it was. The reason why I became a producer is because I uh, I started seeing stuff that was being greenlit that I thought was at best mediocre, and the things that I was going out for or things that I was portraying were you know it's just not compelling to me. And I remember I was on stage once doing and nothing against the play or the playwright because I love Melvin Fat Peoples, but I was singing the song in this musical ain't uh, uh, ain't Too. wait hold on both of the shows are ain't so I got to get it together. I'll come back to it in a minute. And I was acting and singing on stage the role of fat And it occurred to me just for a microsecond, I'm like, don't you want to do other shows? I mean, aren't there other stories? You know, we, we got this fat, depressed, lovelorn, black man singing, oh woe is me. I don't need no more oh, woe is me. Years weeks later, I said, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna be a producer. So I just claimed it. I said, I'm, everybody, I'm a producer. Ain't read a book, ain't had no no tutelage, ain't had a class, nothing. So I just jumped in. And the first thing I did was a film as opposed to Broadway. Um, and ever since, that just sort of kicked off my career.
2: And he doesn't tell you that his film start Kerry Washington?
1: That's true. Come on, tell us about the film. Kerry, Kerry Washington, uh, Anthony Mackie, uh, Wendell Pierce, all playing the leads in this, this, this film. And I have to say, I am very proud of all of my work. Because it's not just me that brings us forth, but that shows to have that be my first film was just awe-inspiring. Because Sundance, where that, that film premiered, um, made me a producer because my first four films, you know, premiered there. And so to have that happen, as as and Tanya says, in such a short period of time, there's no way I could have planned for all this stuff to go down. That I could have chased that. It's just I do the work that I like. And I, I know a good story. I may not know anything else, but I do know a good story when I see it. Um, I was just fortunate to to have these things happen to me. And I took that as a a, a, a word from God that I'm supposed to be doing this right now. Mm-hmm. Maybe not five, maybe not 10, whatever. But right now, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So, uh, And I don't even know if I answered your question, Karen.
0: No, boom, it, boom. you answered the question that needed to be answered. Ron Simons is here. Uh, lead producer of all things, uh, multiple multiple Tony, most the most the winningest Tony Award winning black producer in the history of 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 Broadway. The money, because I'm I'm always mm-hmm. you know a lot of people want to do things but they don't you know and I think your AI background, your tech background, your computer science background allowed you to maybe see this not just as, you know, a uh, artistic expression, but also as a business, right? So you understand yeah. the business. You had your three pillars. You knew what you, you know, the elements that you needed. How do you manage the, the success of your projects and, and to make sure, because, you know, one flop for us could mean you don't get to do, well, you obviously got to do it again. But, you know, the, the stakes are higher for us. We can't afford, I knew this in book publishing. I couldn't afford to have a book that didn't make money. You know, whereas Simon Schuster may write off millions, billions of dollars a year. Karen Hunter Publishing had to be in the, you know, had to be making money.
1: Right. Right. And and I felt that pressure as well. Um, So that's why I feel very fortunate. But to answer your question, what does success look like? It doesn't necessarily look like an award Um, to me, especially for stories about. Black people. The, the the what puts butts in seats, which directly impacts finances, is word of mouth. You can do a, a one page ad in New York Times all day, every day. But if you really want black folks to know about this, you need to bring them in to this show as early as possible and start the word of mouth. Because what's going to get people to come see your show is when you know Sister Elliot has a conversation at the church. You know, with Sister Mary Benita, and they said something like, "Oh, girl, let me this show I saw last night. You got that's what makes a show a hit." It happened with Jitney. It happened with Turn Me Loose. It is happening now. So that formula I got. Do you know that when you come in to see my show, Thoughts of a Color Man, if you stand after everyone seated and you stand at the lip of that stage and you look up consistently, there is an audience that has somewhere between eighty-five percent to ninety-five percent black people. Now, Tanya, that don't happen on Broadway. Am I wrong or am I right? That's right. Unless it's After, Denzel. There you go. So this is, we're cracking open that door, I'm telling you. And so we, I might always say that, you know, uh, why don't Black people come to, to, to Broadway more? And I go, because you don't invite them. Because sure. they've more made, been made to feel welcome. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. I said, if we we can break that nut, trust me, they will come. Like that's, what was that, that line and dream something, something. If you build it, they will come. Mm
2: -hmm. Build the dreams. uh,
1: Yes. But here's the last thing about this, I will say in terms of dollars, a small, small play can still cost you $3 million to put up. Um, All the way to something like, you know, my production of Ain't Too Proud, The Latin Times of the Temptations, to get that good girl up, that was 17 and a half million dollars, right? And many, many, many years and many, many different creators that went through that. So it's important to keep the cost down the advertising and marketing steady, but really really get if you can, the word of mouth going because that's going to bring folks into your production into your and content. how
2: do you get the word of mouth going? Who is your marketing person on the ground feet to get that word of mouth going?
1: That's a great question. We have a woman um, and therefore black women in on Broadway that do specialize in getting black folks to come to your show. And this one for me, I worked with all of them. Marcia Pendleton is on this show. And Marcia is, she's the woman who got us, you know, Harlem week. I'm walking around Harlem week, sweating like a pig, giving out flyers and, and, and fans and whatnot and so forth. I go. I was last week, I was at Abyssinia Baptist Church, right? So we go to where the people are.
0: That's right. Not
1: where we think they are. We know that they are in barbershops. We know that they're in church. We know that they're in hair salons. We know that. We know that they are reading the Amsterdam news. So even if the, the priest de resistance Publication of the city, the New York Times, pans my show. The Amsterdam News had a quote, the most important play of the 21st century. And then we know what we did. We put an ad in the New York Times, full page with that. With that.
0: (laughs) What? All right, who are the other three women? Come on, I'm writing it down. (laughs) Donna Walker (laughs) Kuhn.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: What is it, Tanya? Donna Walker Kuhn. Donna Walker Kuhn. Uh huh
1: uh uh what is her name i see her Shireen. Shireen. yeah i see her i see her her, but but i can't think of her last name either yeah and karen uh karen Karen i'm gonna look this up in some moment i think it's
0: karen hunter
1: (laughs) i think
0: it's that you you are also mentoring we're talking with ron simons uh lead producer of thoughts of a colored man on broadway and for colored girls that's coming out when when is that debuting uh, March of next year. March. Okay. I, I think we'll be ready to be out by March because I'm having a conference. in. so I think March is my year, to, my month to come out to your plays. Um, cool. <laughs> you're mentoring other people, other black people to become producers. What does that look like, Ron?
1: Well, um, basically it looks like finding a person who is hungry, who cares about storytelling, whose vision is aligned with mine, which is telling the story of Black folks' stories and, uh, and essentially mentoring them to be the future. What does that look like? Well, that looks like for three of them, because with uh, Thoughts of a I have three brand-spanking-new you know, Black producers on Broadway just for that one show. That, that, that looks like bringing them on in the capacity of a co-producer. And I'm not gonna go too deep into this, except to say that they are tiers of producers. So there are the lead producers, of which they're one to three. Then they are the co-producers who bring in certain amounts of money. Um, and sometimes there's an associate producer whose name is under that. Um, to be a co-producer is not cheap. You don't have to put your own money in, but you have to go raise somewhere between- we'll
0: get the, the money. Price.
1: Right, right. Like 200,000, 300,000, 400,000, depends on the show. But what I do is I bring them in and I let them sit in on meetings so that they can see what is the business like when you even get to be a lead producer, which is going to be a minute for them, I'm guessing, because they are still developing and finding that Rolodex of potential investors who are going to you know, move her show forward. Um, but what I find with this is I can have multiple mentees like I have eight black mentees, right? And that's different than internships. <clears throat> I'm a one-man operation. So I don't have a cast of this person, that person, the other person to really mentor these folks or rather instruct them in terms of internship. But I do know that I can support them in helping them find the first show that they might want to do, guide them through, you know, the, the the thicket of terms of what you need to be out and looking out for. Um, and then I can say if everyone just took on one Minty, and there are hundreds of producers on Broadway, we would have a completely different complexion of what Broadway looks mm-hmm. like. Because why? Because producers are the first gatekeeper. They are the people who said, you know what? This is a good play. I think I'm going to help bring this on. And you go and do readings, and you do workshops, and you do this, and you do that, and then you made the money, and then you get a house for theater on Broadway, and then it comes to pass, which is often a multi, multi-year effort. I love.
2: What I like about what you're saying, and I it's one of my pet peeves, that so many times these internships and these mentorships, and I've been them, is that somebody has a conversation with you and then they feel like they've mentored you. And you know, at my level, I still go into mentorships because there's still gates that I can't get in. And I'm like, you know, when I'm having a conversation with somebody and I'm and and all that's all they're gonna do for me. I'm like, you, you've wasted my time. Cause I know you, I know people bigger than you. When I mentor somebody, you said you make them a producer. You give them the opportunity to do the thing that they want to do. When I mentor somebody, they're going to leave me with a college credit. They go, I'm going to produce a producer play, but I'm giving them something that I have the power to give them. I have conversations with strangers on the street. That's not mentorship.
0: Right. Right, <laughs> That's right, just right. being a good citizen.
1: Uh, you ain't You're
0: not lie. Ron Simons, um, I, I hope we continue um on this journey. And uh I want I want you to come back when for color girls when that comes uh to fruition. And uh, I want you to just keep coming back because you are pure joy. You are pure joy. Oh,
1: thank you, my I appreciate that.
0: And I'm sending you the play, and if the key is to
2: hound you, I'm gonna hound you about this play because you know what? Uh what? John
1: Doyle wants to direct it. Oh, okay. wait a minute. All
0: right, y'all gotta talk off mic.